set. Places, everybody. And action. Hi, guys. You're listening to Black Girl Film Club, a podcast where two Black women discuss movies. I'm Brittany. And I'm Ashley. And on this week's episode, we're discussing Deep Cover from 1992, directed by Bill Duke. So we're back with another episode for our Noir Vember Picks. Um, this one is very different from our last episode, uh, where we talked about Belly, mm-hmm. where it was two hustlers trying to make their way in the world through robbing, selling drugs, and maybe learning lessons possibly very loosely hey (laughs) an attempt was made yeah they didn't learn them yeah yeah i mean we recorded that before all the news dropped on like last what was it last thursday and then friday it was wrapped up sir diddy you were not making it out of you're not, you're going to the bad place. You are the bad place. <laughs> yeah. So, and everybody else is kicking in his comments and talking, oh, she just wants your money or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the lessons from Belly went in one ear, out the other. Nothing was learned. Nothing has changed. That was 25 years ago. And everybody is still monstrous at best. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, thank God that's not the... The subject of this movie this movie is on a whole other level <laughs> yeah we are trudging into crime yeah. movie territory um with a noir kind of feel to it like much like um belly we have some narration um oh, yeah. given by the protagonist of this film that kind of gets us into the flow and feel of what's happening mm-hmm. a little bit of rapping going on just a smidge spoken word <laughs> yes it was oh yeah well you have to talk about that because i was like is he is he rhyming on purpose is is that is that what was meant to be done okay <laughs> but yeah i feel like this is more noir just like in the i guess the tropes of noir this is more falling in line with those with like a detective uncovering like a massive conspiracy kind of and then there's you know, a femme fatale kind of sort of, mm-hmm. we can talk about her. Um, and um, yeah, there's Jeff Goldblum is here, you know, things are happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Deep cover was, this is my first time watching this and it was a mind blowing eye opening experience <laughs> <laughs> from the first frame to the last frame. I just kept being like, what is happening? <laughs> it, you know, I did not know that this was going to be what was going to happen when you said let's watch deep cover so let's what was your what was your what was your rationale for picking this movie what what was what was going through your head <laughs> even though deep cover has recently joined the criterion collection it was released i think in july 2021 um which i, I bought it and i was like yeah this <laughs> this is good so i feel like it's not necessarily a film that you hear too much about Mm-mm. like you have to do some digging to find it it is just something that's kind of overlooked and I feel like but what we talk about here I feel like it would be 
good for the Black Girl Film Club canon. <laughs> like, we need to discuss this movie. We need to get other people to watch it while it's available, just to shine more light on it. Um, it is addressing contemporary issues in 1992 mm-hmm. um, from a different perspective than some of the previous, like, other movies of that time in this particular genre. Um, like, you have, like, Minister Society, which is on the other side of the law. Like it is on the side of a coming of age self for someone selling the drugs and what happens to them. And this is a detective trying to stop harm to his community in a way that yeah. gets him eh, caught up yeah. in the life. Yeah, I would think that this is a movie about like an out, almost an outsider looking in. Like he's not in the life at one point he's like discussing like street life and what it's like to be a drug dealer. And I was like, this sounds very Travis Bickley. Like you seem very disgusted by these people (laughs) and what's happening. Like you kind of almost in some form look down on them Mm -hmm. just a smidge. It just felt like that from the opening. Um, So definitely coming at it from, I don't know. It feels, I don't a lot of cop things feel very pro cop, <laughs> even though there's crooked cops. And he, he ends up working outside of the law, but still it's kind of like, I don't know. It just, a lot of times I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> and, and in my notes, a lot of the things I wrote a lot, well, my most, I guess, most repeat note I kept going over and over it was racial <laughs> this feels racial <laughs> everything feels racial so uh yeah I feel like this vibe is a lot different from like the boys in the hood or something where maybe the audience can relate to that like protagonist versus like this guy who seems like he's from the outside because we don't even know how he grows up I mean we kind of get an idea of how he grows up just from like his interaction with his dad which we need to discuss (laughs) but like it is very uh it's very like working within the system to make change and getting a firsthand glimpse of how that does not usually come out well for anybody. Like the fact that there's like a marginally happy ending at the end of this, I was like, that's not what would usually happen (laughs) like at all. And there's like other movies that I feel like um, have done the same thing that are maybe a little bit more in the more realistic ending, um, regardless of how I feel about those movies, which I will list at the end. Um, also, I want to correct myself from like last episode. I feel like I said that Snoop Dogg was in this movie. He's not in this movie. It's just the theme song is a Dr. Dre song with Snoop as um, the feature. I think it was like his studio debut. I think it was both like Dre, maybe Dre and Snoop's studio debuts, apparently. But I thought they were going to be in this. thought we were going to get some, some um, I don't know little bit of a rapper thing to tie in to uh belly that way but we don't get that (laughs) i was mistaken um so yeah i this is so you see this movie multiple times this is my first Mm -hmm. time when you saw this movie i'm assuming you were probably too young to watch it so how did you feel the first time you watched it versus now so actually (laughs) i i only like it was definitely in my household it was uh-huh. definitely in a room I have like 
witnessed it, <laughs> um, but I didn't like really sit down to watch it until like a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, where I was like, hmm, I'm going to not be afraid of Lawrence Fishburne anymore and watch some of his <laughs> movies. What? <laughs> yeah, like. Were you afraid of Lawrence Fishburne? The way yeah, I was, I'm I, afraid of Kevin Bacon. I'm afraid of, I was afraid of Lawrence Fishburne. I'm still afraid of Kevin Bacon, so. That's that's understandable. (laughs) We're not working through that trauma at all. (laughs) Um, And I'm not going to get into the movie that made me afraid of him, but. I want to know now. I was like, I'm going to go revisit some of his work. So I watched like Deep Cover. I also watched uh, Hoodlum, which is also directed by um, Bill Duke. And I like watched The Matrix because I had never seen The Matrix. Again, I was like not paying attention when it was on the TV. So I was like, <laughs> okay, let me just see what Deep Cover is about. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. I, I like I like this movie. Yeah. Um, it is very different from like a movie I would have watched at that particular time. Um, so I was like, okay. I'll revisit it. And when it was released, I bought it and watched it again. So, mm, yeah, I keep forgetting he was Ike Turner. Is that the movie that, is that the movie that freaked you out? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He I watched Scared Me as Ike. And I was like, I don't know why I forget that because I always think of that <laughs> meme, which I know I should not use. Basis. We were just talking about memes that we should not be using and I should not ever use that meme of him. But I, it's the bowl cut that makes me scream every time. But yeah, the first time I watched what love got to do with it was I was like in college. So I, it, oh. I was too old for it to like really freak me out like that. Um, I was like, damn, he should go to hell. And I think he was already, maybe already there. So like, um, yeah, that's the only um, nomination he's ever gotten for like, like a major movie, which is crazy. Everything else he has is like, Emmy Awards. He's got a few Emmy Awards. Um, he was nominated for a Golden Globe for the Tuskegee Airmen, uh, Independent Spirit Award for Deep Cover. Uh, that was just nominated in the Screen Actors Guild Award for a few things, including Mystic River, the Tuskegee Airmen, and Blackish. But nothing. Oh, and then he was in a. Uh, he has a Tony Award for Best Feature Actor in a Play for two trains running from in 1992 so I mean he has Hmm. things but I'm like I just think of him like as like one of our legends (laughs) like I'm just like you you're not like acting royalty to like white people yet like that's weird to me like like Denzel is like that's what I'm thinking like like I feel like those are our two like heavy hitters but I'm like oh shit and Will Smith yeah, you know, I mean, he has crossover, but like they don't like him anymore. So like, yeah. we, <laughs> you know, one false move. <laughs> and yeah, they said, get out of here. You're not one of the good ones anymore. So now we're down to two, <laughs> two male leads, I guess. But yeah, I think it's weird that he doesn't have like major acting awards. Like, I think I think of him and Denzel kind of on like an even playing field, I guess, in terms of like, oh, shit. Lawrence is here he about to fuck it up but like <laughs> he doesn't have that many it's weird and I didn't look up like why Criterion added this to their collection but I remember seeing it and I don't know I think I've originally confused it with another movie that you've been trying to get me to watch and I can't remember what it is now but it's in outer space and I thought this oh was- event horizon yes <laughs> And yeah. I was like, is that it? And then I was like, no, that's this is something completely different. So, but I know they 
Criterion kind of has like a thing for noirs and things like that. So maybe it was just like another another face of noir, <laughs> I guess, in the neo-noir canon, um, which I don't think we really talked about like noir. We've talked about noir before, but I don't think we like got into it. But like basically it's kind of, you know, the dark kind of-esque movie with a man, um, I guess, kind of on the brink of a crisis of faith, maybe usually a detective or some sort of law enforcement person, place or thing. <laughs> and, you know, there's, you know, maybe a woman that's kind of tempting him and he's trying to, you know, balance between the forces of good and evil. This is a lot. I mean, and Neo Noir kind of gets into all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is also Neo Noir. <laughs> so like, that's something like, it doesn't have to be super serious. Like you could do Gilda, you could do Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you could do The Matrix all kinds of things. So, um, and we, you know, we talked about Noir Vimber and things like that, but yeah, I think this is kind of one of the ones that doesn't really get talked about a lot. Cause I was kind of like, oh yeah, I haven't seen that at all. Like when you suggested it. So, um, like I said, this, this was an interesting first watch for me. <laughs> I was literally like, what is happening here? Um, so I guess we should talk about like, maybe the people who wrote this um, and directed this. So you said Bill Duke, or sorry, yeah, Bill Duke, um, who has done a lot. Like, I didn't realize he was in uh, Predator. Um, mm -hmm. He's also been in Menace to Society, X-Men Last Stand, Mandy, American Gigolo. Um, but also, I believe he uh, directed A Rage in Harlem, which he was nominated for the Palme d'Or in Cannes, and also Sister Act 2. Um, he's also directed a lot of TV. Uh, so he, he makes sense, but the people who wrote this... <laughs> I mean, they are writers. Like, I mean, so yeah. the film was written by Henry Bean, Mm -hmm. um, who wrote uh, Internal Affairs, Basic Instinct 2. Which is a wild-ass fucking, like, I didn't even know they had one of those, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Was this directed? And Michael Tolkien, who um, wrote, like, The Rapture in The Player with um, Tim Robbins. Mm. He also wrote, like, worked on Deep Impact and Changing Lanes in Nine. Yeah. So I, I spoke with Ashley off, off air about like the rapture um which is a very it is a very good movie it was on criterion for halloween mm -hmm. it was it's not a horror movie in the traditional sense um because it is a religious movie mm -hmm. it's about a woman who um kind of was living her life she was swinging she was having fun <laughs> and she met like a religious cult who you know convinced her that the rapture is coming so she put all her faith in the rapture being real and has, has did a lot of things in her life in the way that she lived her life and then some things happen um, yeah it is a wild uh plot from what i have seen <laughs> it, it's who girl <laughs> i was like wait from swinging to, to <laughs> the rapture girl it's a movie that I would like to talk about in a future episode mm -hmm. um, and like how religion and religious belief is depicted on film. So just going to put that out there. Yeah, we haven't gone back to the cult thing in like 
a long time mm-hmm. since our like maybe first few episodes I think we talked about cults and things um, the ones I got to like the I guess people also search for uh section on Google is very uh concerning I mean it has 13 but also like a bunch of shit that I've never even heard of and like <laughs> um and also the left behind movies <laughs> which no <laughs> I'm not eager to revisit the left behind series quite yet <laughs> I feel like when you told me that like two white guys wrote this is when the like you know the 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 key turned into the lock you know things started you know coming to the forefront things started making more sense I thought it was very interesting because some of the things on here I was like what are we talking what are we talking about? What is being said here? It is so 1992. And like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's probably some other movies like this. Uh, like, I don't know. What's that one with um with Danny Glover and that man? Um the Lethal What? Yeah, I feel like it's not on that level of crazy, but I feel like it still has that same sort of like energy where I'm just like, damn, you can really say whatever the fuck you wanted in 1992. This is wild as fuck. Um, And also, I feel like it's very, I don't see anything about it getting banned or anything like that, Um, which I find interesting because like, it's just literally him being like, yeah. I'm going to really get into the drug game <laughs> and start. I don't know. He's selling drugs to kids. <laughs> yeah. Like Magic Johnson Theaters didn't think that was a problem, I guess, because he's doing it under the law, which is some white man who uses slurs. <laughs> and within the first five minutes of the movie, like I can't even. Oh, my God. OK, before we're skipping ahead. This movie is about. A man named Russell Stevens, who ends up going by John Hall, who is like a beat cop in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And um, due to his upbringing, which we will talk about like in the next like five seconds, uh, you know, he is a very upstanding, morally righteous man, doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs, even though he is a cop. He doesn't like to get into any of that stuff. Like he doesn't do, you know, he prides himself on that fact about him but for some reason he gets recruited or roped into um going undercover for the dea (laughs) where he is tasked with like infiltrating this um drug cartel on the west coast and like bringing them down from the inside um and basically like setting people up for the DEA to bust and then reap the rewards and the political benefits of such. And he doesn't want to do it, but he is convinced because it will, number one, it will make him a star. That's what the guy said. It'll make him a star, which I think is very interesting, but also he will be doing more within the undercover scene than just kind of being a beat cop. Um, that's what's kind of presented to him. So he ends up taking it, even though he kind of thinks it's a mistake. I personally think it's a mistake because he was not just like, you're going to be undercover for a few weeks. He's like, I need you to be undercover for like years. <laughs> He's like, it could be two weeks, three weeks, six months, or five years. This is what we need from you. And I'm like, 
okay that is a very long time like damn i can't have a family i can't have a family i can't get a dog like i can't do something with my life like what if i decide to go back to school like i can't (laughs) that's part of your cover now i guess so i mean not really because he can't do stuff as like a street like hustler like he has to you know project this image it doesn't make sense to him to go to school if he's selling drugs I mean maybe he was busting like Hunter at UCLA but he's not doing that he's um in Hollywood with the the grime um so yeah so that's the basic premise um where he's tasked with infiltrating this cartel starting from the bottom and getting to the top um the very first scene (laughs) Not even the scene with his dad, the scene where somebody is slow motion <laughs> smoking. I don't know if this is a crack pipe. It's some sort of pipe that's not like a weed like thing or anything. Like it's just <laughs> when they have the specific little glass pipe, I'm just like, okay, I'm either seeing meth or I'm seeing crack. <laughs> like what's going on? Because when he's in the drug game, he's supposed to be, uh, it's a cocaine uh, cartel. So it's not like anything like heroin or anything like that. But I was like, this is the slow motion. <laughs> Over the credits is just people partying and doing drugs. Looking and- very demonic and stuff. I was like, oh, Lord, I know if the elders ever saw this, they'd be like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> but it was like that threw me off so bad because I was like, oh, this is the whole credit like this is it right here <laughs> and then it goes into christmas in cleveland um, 1972 yeah and i thought that was interesting because at first i was like is this a christmas movie but then i was like no <laughs> and then um then i saw glenn turman on that stuff and i was like not our another another legend <laughs> yeah this is this is what he had to do to survive as a, you know take care of his family as a black actor, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, as a black, as a black tour, as a, um, a black dress, <laughs> black actor, a black dress. Um, when was a different world? Wasn't he on a different world by this time, or no? Yes. I guess he was just like, "Hey, I'm not on there all the time. I'm only like recurring. <laughs> Let me get to the bag some other <laughs> way." Jalisa had the baby at oh, this God. particular time. Oh um, yeah, so they weren't really on it that much, were they? No, they were like guest stars. It was the Dwayne Whitley show at that point. Yeah. Like definitely by the ninety-two, I feel like it was over in ninety-three. Like yeah. Whitley was teaching immature in the classroom oh, at this time. So yeah, none of them ever end up leaving Hillman for any reason. Like, <laughs> which I think is so funny when they're just—it's like the um, it's like Boy Meets World too, where it's just like, yeah, Mr. Feeney's going to teach us in junior high, high school, and maybe make some appearances in college. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This is our professor, Mr. Feeney. We've yeah. known him since we I were... was birth. Yeah, he's my next door neighbor. <laughs> and, and now he's my college professor. I was just so thrown off by it because I didn't realize he was in this movie. And also like, Glenn Terman is just so dignified in everything I watch him in. And I'm like, sir, drugs in front of your child? <laughs> in front of your, your only son? What are we doing? As a Clevelander. How did you feel about this Cleveland representation? I was like, oh, okay. No, I mean, this is Cleveland. <laughs> no, not like. Not like that. Like people just <laughs> doing drugs out on the street. Yeah, but like, like, no. Okay. But I'm like, oh, okay. yeah, like this is typically how Cleveland is depicted on screen. Is like 
this is happening and you know it's rough tumble tit city or like oh this is where the protagonist grew up in this middle of nowhere town which is a major midwest city um yeah and she or he has to move to the big city new york or Mm. the west coast san francisco (laughs) to learn about life and love like yeah like (laughs) the britney story (laughs) yeah (laughs) like yeah so i'm like okay yeah i i I get it this is what this is ohio yeah on screen it was weird too because it kind of made it look like a like a like an old-fashioned like main street where it was like Mm -hmm. all the buildings were kind of connected and i was like this looks like denton this looks like where i went to school and there's like i don't know like a hundred thousand people in denton maybe like uh I think there's way more people in Cleveland. So I was yeah. like, this doesn't make no sense. But it was like- And this- even in, in the 70s, they, you know, there were like storefronts like that. And, yeah. You know, hey. It just didn't feel like a city. It feels yeah. like like a very, very, very small town. And his dad is doing drugs in the car with him. Um, and he's like, no, don't you do that shit. Don't do none of this shit. Which made me laugh because like, none of this is funny, but like it kept making me laugh because my- grandmother on my dad's side would always smoke in front of me and be like now promise me you'll never do this shit and I'm like she's like it's a filthy filthy habit like waving the cigarette in my face and I was like all right like I've never really wanted to ever smoke I'm like you know I'm six so I don't want to smoke a cigarette but thank you for oh. the warning thank you so much like I'm not old enough to even consider buying a cigarette but you know oh, me at six is like <laughs> had my little toothpicks yeah I mean I I did that later on but you know she was you know good and gone by then but she was like don't ever do this and I was like I've never considered I promise you I've never even thought about it but um yeah his his dad is like just manic a little bit and kind of, I think he's probably drunk too. He ends up going into a liquor store and then robbing the place and then getting shot with a in shotgun the- in front of his son. <laughs> On the street, On the over street. $10. Yeah. And this is at like Christmas time. So uh, young Russell is forever changed by that. He is, um, this has changed the trajectory of his entire life. And I guess like 20 years later, we have the next scene that I was just like, Brittany, what's going on? (laughs) This scene, I uh, forgot it happened. So he has moved from South Mm -hmm. to Cincinnati, where he is a a police officer. We are just jumping into an interview. Yeah, Um, it's bad, dude. (laughs) And the gist of the the interview question that this interviewer, a white man who works mm-hmm. with DEA, is asking the series of black cops, um, what is the difference between a black man and a nigger? Like, what are we even doing? <laughs> and we are gauging the response and reaction to this question where the first cop, Clifton Powell, is like, uh, what? there's no difference i don't think he said like, i don't did he say anything i feel like he was almost like thrown i mean he was thrown off the way i was thrown off i was like yeah he was just like uh but he's like uh there's no difference yeah <laughs> and, he, and, they, and they were like okay thank you yeah thank you for um, your time bye that's like and a- then the next 
I feel like it's the opening question. Yeah, that it seemed like yeah. Because I'm just like, sir, like I'm in my like professional like professional uh, mode. So like, my first instinct would be to hit you, but then what? <laughs> just like, wait, what is what's going on here? I thought Clifton Powell was gonna be here longer because I feel like that's such a recognizable face not yet yeah <laughs> i'm looking at his uh filmography so he was only like maybe like i think this is like his fifth movie ever and he's basically like somebody's brother i mean he was in house party um but like he's just kind of like a i guess random person in most of these things but um yeah i was like oh recognizable face oh he's not okay he's not coming back <laughs> moving on and then the next the the next um officer that's interview was like motherfucker what did you yeah. say i know i know you're not gonna say this shit again and yeah like yank up the interviewer he's like yeah. oh thanks <laughs> yeah he grabbed him by the collar and was like all right <laughs> say that shit to me again and so he was dismissed and then I think the next guy is Russell and he looks so, <laughs> he looks so like, like Lawrence Fisher should always have a beard. <laughs> always, always, always have a beard. And he also had this weird haircut where I'm just kind of like, okay, so you need to see a black barber. Like you, that's not a black barber had no hand in that. I don't know what that is. It felt very like Cleveland Brown. Like it was like this weird sort of not quite yet an Afro, but like when you're in maybe a week or so from having gone to the barber and I was like, oh, is this your professional hair? It's like the 90s Steven doll. Oh, girl. <laughs> and I had that doll too. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot. And, you know, he's all... I don't know. It was just very straight laced. And I think his answer was like, what did he say? He's like, the, the nigger is the one that would give you an answer to that question yeah. or something. Mm -hmm. I guess it's letting that man know he's not a nigger. That's a black man. And you better speak to him with respect. He would be wearing that damn shirt that says like the cross out like nigger black <laughs> nigger, whatever. It's all crossed out. And this is black at the end. I'm just like, Christ. <laughs> Oh my God. Like, oh, I mean, obviously don't let no white man call you. Don't let anybody call you a nigger, but like it's you at work, you know, superior. Like I I was like, hmm, that the second guy was the correct response. Like, yeah. sorry, I will beat your ass in his office. Yeah, I don't know how that works with the the gangs, the the legal sanctioned gangs that are the various police departments in this country. Because it, like, it would be absolutely terrible. It, it it probably was terrible for that man afterward. Because they're not gonna really fire you. They're gonna just you know take you to a, a locked room and beat you up or something. So <laughs> it would not have gone well for him. But shout out to him for doing this because I I got a flashback to Belly when uh dmx was in the car with that man and he was like yeah you're my nigga and i was like oh no not again <laughs> we're starting this early aren't we this is not appropriate at all but he passes the test mm -hmm. um i guess the, the dea agent's name is carver he kind of looks like alfie t newman or whatever it is from mad magazine um and it was very <laughs> very upsetting to have to look at him this entire time because I was just like he is bad <laughs> he is bad news for you and 
he, you know, he sets this whole thing up about going to LA and, and busting these, this cartel and, and, you know, how that would be so great. And he would make a difference because, you know, that's the whole reason why he got into policing in the first place, which, oh God, <laughs> I just, I physically, I, I fundamentally cannot even like agree with that statement that you would like actively think that you were making a difference in anyone's life. Like, I just don't think that this is possible. I don't think it's possible. Um, I can understand how you've been sold that like lie, but I just don't think, I don't think it's possible. And also like, it's very interesting in Hollywood, how many like black cops we have now, like black actors playing cops. Like, I feel like it's gone up because <laughs> I feel like we used to just be judges. We were just like the really hardcore judges that weren't going to take any shit. And then all of a sudden we became the men on this men and women on the street. And I was like, all right, now <laughs> what's going on? I don't like I don't like it. I don't know if you've noticed the same, but I just feel like that's a very. Um, it's something I've been noticing more in like network television a lot of abc nbc things yeah like i will say that uh a large amount of just a network programming is like cop programming oh yeah um in some some form of fashion this has something to do with the legal system rather like a csi which you're you know, finding the evidence to convict somebody of the crime. Yeah. You have the law and order extended universe. Girl. Where, you know, so many moving parts in that. And then like on ABC, <laughs> they have like the rookie, the rookie feds. Some about um, firefighters too, right? Or something. Yeah, that's I think that's Chicago Fire. Oh yeah, Chicago that's like a mid. Yeah. Isn't that all um, Dick Wolf too? I think that's all I Dick Wolf. So. Yeah. He's made a whole career off of like um like dramatizing the legal system which I was just like it, it does not move that fast <laughs> doesn't move at all half the time and I also like given the, and then you have like the detective shows like Monk and Psych mm-hmm. um which they they do the same thing in a quirky sense uh yeah. like Brooklyn Nine-Nine again quirky mm-hmm. tops yeah the only difference now like let's say back in the 90s when you had like just law and order law and order svu um what the shield like all those cop shows oh yeah the like shield. now that um in the last couple of years like it's been more of a push to have women on the front of those shows black women in the front of those shows yeah and the subject matter of those shows have changed a lot like to deal with inter-community violence but not like in terms of gangs like in the 90s where a lot of the focus is like on you know the people selling drugs to harm the community now it's like how can we rehabilitate the image of cops in their relations to communities of color because I feel like now we have like Queen Latifah uh, Queen Latifah is the equalizer which you know Denzel played the equalizer in a movie yeah he just and, came out with one another one um I don't think he's a cop necessarily, but I think he's like private investigator. I don't know. He just be beating people. He just be beating people's asses in that shit. Apparently, um, he's like John Wick or something. But a show that like really sticks out to me was like a limited series. It's called I think it's Shots Fired, where Samal Lathan played a police officer mm-hmm. dealing with like protests in the community over police violence. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then of course you have Angela Bassett on nine one one. Yeah. Where she is Athena, the super cop that yeah. can stop a tsunami to <laughs> save the citizens of LA. And she's in charge. Like she's mm-hmm. like I don't know what I don't know, sergeant or something. I don't know the the hierarchy of cops, but like, yeah, she's like a big deal on that show. Like her character doesn't take the like orders from people. It's she's the one giving orders. I'm just kind of like, oh, this fantasy. <laughs> like us, us in the law enforcement. It's like the people who want like a black James Bond. And I'm just like, girl, oh, he's a spy for the British government, child. Like, do we really need to be involved that that heavily? Like, holy shit. I don't know. It just kind of is very, it's very insidious <laughs> in, in the ways of like representation and things like that. I was like, okay, like, like slow down for a second. Like, I don't need to see a black cop. I really don't. <laughs> and I mean, there is a long history, especially on TV of like police officer shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the tone has changed to of course reflect times and given police press at the, the present they're working overtime to make the average American viewer like less afraid of interacting with your local police officer, which, okay, whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like the ones that's working on are the people who already aren't afraid of cops and like have those little signs in their yard and be like, yeah, we love you guys. Thank you so much for your service. And it's like, he's just standing there, girl. He hasn't arrested anybody. He hasn't caught anybody. He hasn't caught a thief or anybody yet, quite yet. Save your thank yous until he actually does his actual job. <laughs> but I'm looking at the equalizer and apparently it's about him being like a former Marine and defense intelligence agency officer. Um, so I guess he's just like some crazy ass assassin or something. And it was based on a TV series. So I guess mm-hmm. they brought that back as like the Queen Latifah mm-hmm. version, which I don't, is that still on TV? Yes, it starts back in like two weeks. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, it's just very interesting how that's all kind of culminating. But I don't think maybe in 1992 that was kind of like a thing quite yet. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, they have like, okay, so we have like Lethal Weapon. But yeah, and then on TV you had like um, Yafit Koto and Andre Brower. Or homicide, life on the street. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then you had like um the show with Malik Yoba. Which one um, was that? It came on after Martin. Oh gosh, <laughs> let me look. Uh, let me think. It is this? Oh, New York Undercover. That okay? Undercover cops in New York. Okay, which started in like ninety four. So yeah, I know about New York undercover. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess because the conversation's a little different. Because before it was kind of like those gangs are out of control. So, yeah, maybe maybe if we have cops, black cops, then we won't have something like a Rodney King or something else happening like that. But I can tell you that's probably not true. <laughs> uh, you know, recent uh, developments have proven that's not very true, but it was a nice thought and we need to keep workshopping that. Um, so yeah, his whole thing is I'm a cop and I'm going to go undercover. And he ends up in LA like two weeks later and immediately starts dealing. But it's kind of weird. I guess he's getting... Is he getting the money from the DA guy and then 
or he's getting the drugs from the DEA guy. Something, something is, is weird. He's like getting money, I think from DEA and then like buying drugs from the street dealers. And then I don't know, it's a little complicated for my little brain. And also he moves into this like really shitty hotel. Is it a hotel? Yeah, it's a, it- a long day hotel yeah. like extended stay hotel yeah so um where it's just like his landlord's some really loud white woman we never see again and then his neighbor is this uh latina lady named belinda who is clearly on drugs and has a uh um a son which i miss i miss his name do they even talk about his name what is his name i did not catch it i didn't catch it either but he comes back but he's basically like this really adorable kid who's like with his mother in this like one room hellhole basically and at one point she tries to flirt with him she also tries to sell her son to john has his new name is john and uh i don't know what she's on but whatever she's on has got a hold on her because i was like why are you selling the baby for three thousand dollars and then offering a discount two thousand dollars a discount bitch (laughs) and then offering herself She's yeah, like, you, I could be your lady. I am HIV negative. <laughs> I was like, all right, jumping straight into it, girl. Yeah, she uh, she sees that John has money and cares about her son mm-hmm. in, in, in a way that like you would care about like a neighbor. Like, are you OK? Is everything OK? Yeah, and he sees that things are not OK. So he offers well, he does not offers. He does buy the little boy like food because he's not eating enough meal, like enough food to survive. Like he's just eating junk food he's and just on, he's just on little Debbie snack cakes. And Belinda sees this as an opportunity, which I understand. Like this is stability. Like this could be an op- opportunity for stability, first for my son, and if not for my son, then for me and us as a family. But it so. didn't seem like she was offering him for anything other than just like, "Hey, I see you have a lot of money, and that could come in handy for myself." I don't really care what happens to this. Like, I, you know, it's really yeah. hard for me as a mother. But I don't really care what happens to this kid after I get that money, like, low-key. <laughs> like, you can take... Because when she was asking him questions, I was like, so when you're saying you like my kid, like, are you... Like, what context are you asking him? Does he like your son? <laughs> because I feel like if another person of more nefarious means was in this, like, building and you offered your kid, I'd be like, lady, like, yeah, that's not... That's really scary. So I I don't think she's like, hey, I just need to get on my feet. She's like, I'm desperate. I am um, close to not having any drugs and I need a payout real quick. And I was like, oh no, like this is desperate times. And the way he talks about the people on the street just feels very, like I said, very Travis Bickley. Um, where he's just kind of talking about like, <laughs> Travis Bickle was always talking about like the filth of New York <laughs> and how it just you know, had declined so far in the seventies. And I was like, yeah, that same vibe. <laughs> he was like, it's just the same out here all the time. And Hollywood is known for being quite rough. Um, so I get that, but I was like, damn, like, is this how you be talking about people back home in, in Cincinnati? <laughs> yeah. I sure well, hope that. <laughs> yeah. He, you could say like the way he speaks, you can tell he thinks slowly, like he thought slowly of his father. Yeah. Um, and he thinks slowly of these people as well. 
Yeah. Like it's, I don't know if we're at the, the addiction is a disease stage of the conversation back in 1992, but like, I think now people are a little bit more, a little bit more, very slimly more like understanding of that, um, that concept, but yeah, he's, he's not a fan. And I was like, so when you decide to be a cop, like what, how are you going to manage this if you have this disdain for the people that you're supposed to be interacting with? Because I don't think that would have gone well either, <laughs> regardless if you were undercover or not. Like, were you on desk duty or were you out there interacting with these people? Because I would hate to come across you on the wrong day. <laughs> yeah, he's probably responsible for keeping the streets clean. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but he's never hurt anybody. Well, not hurt no. somebody, but he's never killed anyone. Nah. So- not yet. <laughs> At this particular point. Not yet. Not until he gets to the mean streets of LA. So I guess his first stop, well, first he's like told like, this is the sort of pyramid of hierarchy. So he's initially supposed to be going after someone named Barbosa, I believe, because Barbosa supplies the suppliers. He supply the street guys. Um, and then up from there is somebody named, um, I'm looking at the list. Oh, Gallegos. And then from there, it's a diplomat named Hector Guzman from some unnamed Latin American country, much like how Sincere went to Africa. I guess we're not really distinguishing (laughs) anything south of the border. So he could be from Mexico. He could be from Honduras. He could be from Costa Rica. We don't know. So, I mean, he could be from Colombia, but we don't really know. Um, I don't know if they ever get into that either. So um, he's like a politician in his home country of wherever (laughs) and um he's like kind of untouchable like john wants to go for him immediately and i don't think he understands like how that system works and like harvard has to explain like no you You gotta start at the bottom yeah you gotta start down here in order to get up there like it's incremental but also too he's so cagey and then it when it happens at the end like with all that stuff that's revealed at the end i was like were you ever going to even let him get close to this guy (laughs) like in real life like for you like was that ever going to be a goal or was it just going to be like yeah we're going to move you on something else Like, I just, it just doesn't seem like it because he's a politician. Like, the U.S. doesn't have a uh, problem interfering with multiple nations and things like that. Um, They don't give a shit. (laughs) So if they want to intervene, they will. But he's just seemed very much like, yeah, don't worry about that right now. (laughs) I was like, I don't know if you were ever really going to let him actually get face to face with this man at all. Um. So he starts at the bottom and we meet Eddie, who's like a local street hustler. And like, what is his name in Tales from the Hood? Is Rody or something, right? He was like the, um, he was that racist governor's press assistant. Guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this actor, I think his name is Roger. Uh, uh, I don't know how you pronounce his middle name. It's yes. Roger Smith. Roger yeah. G. Smith. Um, but he has worked frequently with like Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. He is in school days. He's with the past the Oh <laughs> like, God, I forgot about he that. He is one of the um, uh, <laughs> Gamites. 
Um, he has also, I believe he's in Hollywood Shuffle. He shows up in like Black Actor School. Black um, Actor School. <laughs> he has shown up in All About the Benjamins. He's in Eve's Bayou too, which I don't uh-huh. remember him being in, but. That is the uncle that was like, if you keep fucking with me. I am going, if you keep fucking with my girl, I am going to kill you. I need to. I will shoot you in your fucking chest, Samuel. <laughs> oh, yeah. We need to, we need to do that movie. I keep thinking that, but we need to really do that movie. Um, Cause it's been a while since I've actually watched it. Um, and it's probably one of the few great Southern Gothic, black Southern Gothic things that we have out here right now but i yeah i've completely forgot he was in that movie and he was also on a different world so he's pretty um he's pretty much like i don't know like he has a he still works from what i can tell he was until last year so um yeah he's he's out here but this movie in particular, I don't know what you would call this performance. <laughs> it's inspired, like that little little meme or you know TikTok that's going around about the personality hire. That's he's, a personality hire. Yeah, he's um, a personality hire for real, for real. Comes like you don't have any other kind of skills. <laughs> like this is the fun guy in the bar. Like mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like oh fuck, there go Eddie. But oh fuck, they're gonna edit. His like his little rhymes that he did, I was so lost. He's telling like anecdotes, jokes. Those are fucking limericks. It's like no, like uh uh, like he he he's very close to telling there once was a man from Nantucket type shit. Yeah, yeah. Very limericky, like bar stories. Like, I don't know, something about making somebody's pussy do the Watusi. And I was like, okay. So who was involved in the writing <laughs> for this particular line? <laughs> I was saying he said, All right, stay black. And he just disappeared. And then that man was like, I know this motherfucker ain't talking about stay black. He said, You stay <laughs> off that crack. <laughs> The bartender was the one who had the real jokes in, in this movie. <laughs> he was like, uh, yeah, you definitely on that stuff, bro. Like, please <laughs> stay away from me and my family. <laughs> um, but, you know, given that Eddie talks too fucking much. Yeah. Um, John Hole is able to, like, befriend him, learn a couple things about what he got going. Yeah, he's not learning from him. He's just kind of getting into his world because he knows Barbosa um, and he, I guess, gets his drugs from him. So there's like some weird thing where Eddie gets arrested. He like names John as like one of his accomplices, but he doesn't name anybody else. But the problem with that is that since he's named anybody Barbosa and his crew um, is just like, well, that's not going to fly. So, like, we got to. We got to. We got to kill this man. We got to take. Yeah, we got to take care of it. And they go to. (laughs) One Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) A.K.A. David Jason. Who is a lawyer. Yeah, he's a lawyer. Very nice house. Got his wife and a kid. Um, he's a little bit mean too because she don't know how to do her time tables. I'm like, 
hold on sir but um they come to him saying like hey you need to kill and we gotta get him like like i'll kill him or something but i don't understand how jason does jason know eddie like because jason not jason david doesn't do like he doesn't sell any drugs oh he no i believe him and eddie were playing pool yeah they know each other hall like playing pool together when we're introduced to both of them yeah so okay so they know each other but like i just was a little confused on like their relationship unless he's the one like directly giving eddie the drugs from barbosa like is he the middleman to the middleman that's what the vibe i was getting because he gave those drugs to john later so it's just a whole like this is one of the things like movies like this i'm just kind of like oh this is just a lot of extra (laughs) a lot of extra little bits and pieces i'm like i wish you just streamline this a little bit because my little brain can't take it but um John gets arrested. He doesn't snitch. He's also questioned by Clarence Williams III. <laughs> you know, if you know me, you know Clarence Williams III is one of my favorite actors. Ah, thespian. Um, based on his performance in Touch from the Hood, you know. That was the best part because I was like, damn, the welcome to hell motherfuckers man is in here talking about I am a Christian and I need to apologize for where I hit you before I arrested you this afternoon. <laughs> and also showing him uh, pictures of his beautiful African-American children. It's like, what was the term yes. he used? Babies, my beautiful African-American babies. Yeah. Look at my beautiful African-American babies. Yeah. And would you... Pull out a gun on my beautiful African-American babies because when you sell drugs to the community, that's exactly what you were doing. You are killing my African-American babies with drugs. How dare you, Mr. Drug Dealer? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I it was his role in this is very interesting because he's supposed to be like the good cop and his partner is a crooked cop. But also he's kind of like like the angel on your shoulder kind of but in a cop way (laughs) and it was very uh I was not expecting this Uh, first of all I was like I knew he was in this movie but when I saw him I was just not expecting him to be like a cop for some reason (laughs) he went back to his roots on the mod squad oh oh yeah see I haven't seen a lot of his other things but yeah I forgot about that so I guess it made sense to the audience at the time (laughs) Because my brain was like, oh, shit, Tales from the Hood is here. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I could think about. And so, yeah, it's a whole thing. And then John's kind of pretending like, I don't know, there is no morals. There's no God, maybe. He's just really into his role right now. And over time, his he gets more and more into it because the line between fiction and reality becomes blurred he just couldn't see you know he couldn't you know figure out how to live both lives and he so they end up killing eddie barbosa ends up killing after eddie stabs him with a fork and just like I don't think that's going to go well for you, sir. No. And I was like, is somebody going to say like, yeah, it's all right. Go ahead. Leave or whatever. <laughs> like, what was he supposed to do? So he ends up getting beat to death with a pool cue um, at that bar. And then they're like, hey, John, you didn't snitch. You're our new best friend. Here's some drugs. And by the way, David is trying to make synthetic cocaine. I don't know why. What was his reasoning? Did he say? Other than just like. Maybe it's easier not have to import the drugs. 
and then he can control the flow of the drugs, I guess, is the main motivation. But also I was like, I don't know. Every time I hear about synthetic drugs, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, please. God, no, don't touch that shit. But yeah, that's his plan. He's got some, you know, computer nerd synthesizing cocaine for him to sell mm-hmm. on the West Coast. And this plan apparently has been brought up a number of times because at one point Barbosa is like, yeah, that joke he keeps telling about synthetic cocaine. I was like, shit. So everybody just turned your pitch down, huh? And John is the only one who <laughs> listened to you. <laughs> the entire mm-hmm. concept is kind of, I mean, it doesn't, it's not stupid, but it just kind of, I don't know, maybe it's because it's coming from Jeff Goldblum. I was like, you want to do what? I guess you want to be a, a drug kingpin? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. All right. Would you accept Jeff Goldblum as a drug kingpin? Like, would you accept him as like a Scarface? Yes. You would? Is he scary? Yeah. He's got that scary. I mean, streak. he has that. Yeah. I mean, vaguely threatening. <laughs> but like, he is very tall. Or it's like, you know, like, ha ha. Like that. Oh yeah. Am I playing? Yeah. Or am I serious? That's true. That is true. He he has that sort of very nonchalant, jokey type of way where you aren't really sure if he's kidding with you or not. So I guess you could get him dipped by Jeff Goldblum at one point. I forgot he was also in Law and Order, which oh god, Mm -hmm. them episodes are not that good. God bless. They tried. Mm They need uh, Vincent D'Onofrio back. Oh, big fine. Bring him back. Goran. You know, he's solving them crimes like. He always mm-hmm. lean at you. Mm-hmm. He's doing that shit where he'd go and like look at you and lean all the way over. Make sure he's really catching your eye level. <laughs> he'd be like, oh, so you're lying at. Uh, yeah. So we're going to go back. We're going to go like, back to your childhood. A receipt I found <laughs> in a shoe in the lake. It says. And Did by the know? way, I know that your mother used to beat you and stuff like that. Like that it's was like, the way the interrogations used to go. He's like, why are you making everybody angry? And then everybody gets so angry. They just confess. Nah, yeah. Because they were just like, you're so fucking weird that I just can't take it anymore. Yeah. I'd be like, you know what, Gordon? please don't lean and look at me. I did those times. Leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. No, you're making me uncomfortable. That was my favorite Law and Order. That was nobody respects uh criminal intent the way i respect criminal intent but it, i feel like goran being weird is way better than stabler bashing your head into a wall <laughs> unprovoked yeah stabler mm, the worst cop ever yeah as soon as you get in the custody he is beating your ass he's stomping you into the ground i don't know what kind of cop john is really like he doesn't seem like either it doesn't no. seem like he doesn't seem like he's really done anything in his cop life yet because I think he's only supposed to be like 30 at the time of this all happening. So I don't really think he's really made a name for himself. So I feel like when he was talking about, oh, you could be a star in the undercover game. First of all, that doesn't make any fucking sense because you're undercover. Like nobody's supposed to know. Like no, the cops don't even know that you're undercover. They're treating you just like some random ass dude on the street. So I'm like, what kind of star could you be? Because if you get too deep into it, you got to change your name and move <laughs> to another state. I think I get you the fuck up out of there. So I, I feel like he's he's not a stable just yet. He, he slowly becomes one, I feel like. 
Um, because there's some guy, I forget what his name is, but I kept calling him Ponytail. He also kind of looks like Full Force, but <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, yeah, this member of Full Force, very, you know, very strict. <laughs> just very big and taking up space and got like a greasy ass ponytail like a jerry curl ponytail um so he shoots a kid yeah in front of john so that's john's first kind of like hey yo i don't know if i'm ready for this and carver don't even care and then the second thing is that once john has underlings he has a girl who um deals drugs for him he threatens her and john pulls a gun on him on the street <laughs> mm-hmm. and this man thinks he's the terminator because multiple times he quotes like the terminator for whatever reason like at one point he says i'll be back and he's like yeah like that movie go rent it in your local video shop <laughs> yeah let's see mm-hmm. that that would be me that's how you would do your your crimes mm-hmm. <laughs> with a little tagline at the end <laughs> and then rolling around with your little convertible <laughs> backwards and backing the fuck out <laughs> leaving tired treads on the street mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm glad you the, thought the of worst, this the worst criminal would you be wearing a tiny little tank top like i thought you were wearing oh, a tiny yeah, tank top girl <laughs> <laughs> that tank top i feel like we was wearing a tank top right like i wasn't making that because he has like really big arms like yeah massive shirts but like undone real low yep that shirt was probably Pretty hanging on fashion. hanging on for dear life <laughs> that so okay the the second no i think their third thing was the the ponytail guy whatever his name is he ends up shooting one of John's like underlings, the girl, he comes back, shoots her in the head, like right in front of yeah. John, which mm-hmm. is also fucking terrifying. And John is like, fuck, I can't like, what do I do? And David's basically like, you have to kill him because if you don't get it under control, the rest of the other street dealers are not going to respect you. And then it's just going to like kind of tumble out of control. And John don't want to kill nobody because that's not what he got into the game for. But I was like, so when you, Thought like when you agreed to be undercover, like what did you think you gonna be doing? <laughs> like, do you think the drug game is just like handing off the product to the customer and that's it? Like, what did you think was going to happen? He just seems so naive. Yeah, especially like even if you are just a low level cop, like you would, you hopefully have some idea of how things are, like a vague idea. Also, like watching the news. Yeah. Like maybe having some idea of how things work, maybe. Yeah. I don't I that's why I'm like wondering, like, what kind of cop are you? Like what kind of places were you patrolling? Um, were you like in the schools? (laughs) Were you actually out in the street? Were you at your desk the whole time? Because it doesn't seem like you were really in there really seeing what was up close and, and happening. You definitely don't seem like you were in these streets with everybody else, like you would look like in a nice house somewhere because <laughs> you don't feel like you've seen any of this. Like all of this is outside of his realm of understanding. And I know like, you know, you can abstractly understand these things. Like I've never seen somebody shot in the head before. So like, you know, seeing that close up would fuck up anybody. I would hope, mm-hmm. or, you know, if you're like a sociopath, but you know, I can understand that being like, oh, this is too real for me. But at the same time, I was like, sir, you, you're a cop. Like, you didn't they didn't give you this in the handbook when you signed up hmm. a little confused about that part but 
um the scene where he goes and kills him <laughs> the dancing they got him and his ass was sweaty he was out there he was in the club for real <laughs> mm-hmm, they were playing bobby brown <laughs> they were hard yeah like sweat all on his like because i had to rewind it because i was like why is he wet i was like was he dancing <laughs> and i was like did he get through <laughs> <laughs> i was like wait he's wet and he's in the bathroom and i was like so why is he wet in the bathroom and then i rewound and i was like no he's he's a you know an actual dancer in the club like he was really getting it and stuff and you know remember when when men used to dance in the club but he was in the bathroom he gets cornered in the bathroom by john and then he's like you should have shot me when i was turning around because he shot that kid in the back which yeah, is so that's cowardly, cowardly and nasty yeah and i was like you're a grown man my kid's like 13 oh yeah hmm nasty nasty man and then he was like calling him a bitch and then pees on him like pees on john's loafers <laughs> yeah which i was laughing about the loafers bro I I would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. like oh so you get your dick out and you're pissing all over this man and then he shot him john shoots him in the chest and mm-hmm. it's almost like he can't believe it that He's been shot and also John can't believe that he has shot somebody and he is haunted by it. And he's also haunted by the fact that no one came, none of the police officers came to investigate this at all. Yeah. Which think think on that, John. Like, think on that. Your colleagues aren't doing anything out here. <laughs> there has been violence. We're at a place where people are supposed to have fun and your colleagues did not respond at all. Yeah, and nobody, like, he was very upset because he had to kill someone and he had to kill a fellow Black man. And nobody responded to that because, you know, that's just how it is when it doesn't have to be like that. No, it doesn't, especially not in L.A. Like, I forget how much the budget is there for cops, but, like, in comparison, like, I think the NYPD gets, like, a billion dollars a year or something. Like, their whole country is not operating on a billion dollars a year at all and one police department has like the money that could feed so many people <laughs> and they don't do shit <laughs> and the mayor is out there partying <laughs> so you can just see how everything is working but I don't know if he's ever like considered this at all like it doesn't seem like he's really had these thoughts before yeah so like again John, as a police officer, like you go into that role knowing that it's a possibility that you will shoot someone and it's not a guarantee that that person is going to make it. And also think about who you are, where you are, where your work is being done. Who who would you be harming? Yeah. The likelihood you would be harming your own community members. Yeah. They're not going to put you out there with the, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with the Kyles and the you know the Susans and things like you're not going out there with them uh so yeah you would be in charge of working with people who look like you and I don't know why it has never crossed his mind before if that's why I was like okay you're not maybe you're not that bright <laughs> sometimes you come across as bright but maybe you're not actually that bright sir and uh at this point I think we might have skipped the scene with him and david and betty who is uh a money launderer she is um i think she works at an art gallery 
I don't, mm-hmm. I forget what her role is at the art gallery, but um, she handles their money. So she launders it for them. Uh, she's played by, what's her name? I forgot. What it was. Victoria, Victoria Diller. So beautiful. And they don't really give her character anything to do at all. <laughs> like at all, because she's got this whole sort of like femme fatale type thing very like sort of deep voice and she's looking at them like she's very unimpressed and Jeff Goldblum or David whoever is flirting with her and being weird (laughs) and uh they just have this like kind of weird back and forth between her and John but he's like obviously into her and like it's kind of funny because I was like they actually dated (laughs) for a while after this uh, her and uh, Lawrence Fishburne. But at the time I was like, I don't know if they really give them a lot to do because at one point he's like, well, don't harm her or your ass will be mine. I was like, you've talked to her like twice. <laughs> <laughs> and the second time y'all had sex. <laughs> so I was like, what? <laughs> Did y'all really, have, what have y'all talked about besides like David being weird and like, yeah ethnic masks from some country because we can't really distinguish any of the countries outside of the U.S. for some odd reason. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do they, like... I guess in these other noir movies, do they really, like, work through these? Maybe it's, like, a thing of, like, circumstance. Like, we're in danger and we just have to cling to the person nearest to us. And that's that's how that's going to go because they don't really... They don't have like an established relationship at all. I feel like possibly on par, but again, my general knowledge of noir as a whole, I'm still working through it. Yeah. I feel like you know more than I do, to be honest, because I'm just, I'm like a Gilda girl and like a neo noir, I guess. And half the time I watch a neo noir, I'm like, oh shit, I didn't know that was neo noir <laughs> until I look it up on Wikipedia. So I don't know. It just seemed kind of like, She's just there. She's like one of three women, four women in this movie. Well, I am a drug dealer. So like five women in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Melinda, David's wife, the landlord, the lady who just got shot <laughs> and um, and her. And David's mistress. Oh yeah, da- oh God. Do we want to talk about David and his weird fetishization of black people? Yeah. Yeah. So David lives a double life. Um, he's a ups- he's not upstanding. He's a lawyer. Yeah, he just has uh, money. He has lots of money. With, with a wife and child, white. Um, and then he goes to like the other side of town. <laughs> he doing all kinds of shit. They listening to Shabba Ranks and he fucking black women. He's dealing with a bunch of black people in the hood. He's talking jive and he's doing all kinds of shit. And it's talking like, jive. whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot where he went to go get him from. Like maybe like some like extended stay or something like that. It kind of had that vibe of like being a hotel and, and, uh, She's like, let me get him. And then she said, my name is Jacqueline with a J. And I was like, whatever fucking number, what other letter would it be? Because <laughs> like, like, when she opens the door, like, um, not Christy John's with an I. like, 
what? Like, yeah. he's, like, taken off guard a little bit. Yeah. And then, yeah, David is there. He is high as shit. Um, yeah. And he get, like, collects him to leave. Yeah. And over the conversation they have, like, what is going on in there? Whatever y'all doing feels kind of racial and racist. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, <laughs> it's racial. <laughs> the whole thing is very racial. Because he says something about, like, oh, why do I, like, fucking black chicks basically and i was like <laughs> gross and then also you asked him like what's the weirdest thing you ever done sexually um and john says maybe you like having sex with her because it's like a like you're having sex with a slave and he's like oh like a bondage thing he's like no like a race thing and i was like oh oh god <laughs> oh gross and i was like oh that is just a lot <laughs> it is a lot because like Betty's black and all of the uh like street dealers seem to be black so I don't know if he's just like yeah I'm out here again like he said living a double life this is the more exciting life and I can't you know have a black wife but I could definitely go have sex with one lady (laughs) like it's so gross. It's so gross. I was like, who again? Yeah, when I was watching this last night, I was like, who wrote this? <laughs> this is so upsetting. David is just oh, awesome shit. Yeah. And at one point he describes John as being like a, oh, I gotta find it. Cause it was it, again racial. Um, talking about he's like a beautiful beast and he's like a beautiful panther jungle storm, a dangerous, magnificent beast. He was like, what the fuck? <laughs> John was like, you can't say that shit to me. He's like, I say everything I want. And then he, they stand out like they're about to fight each other. And I was like, oh yeah, shit. John, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum really is very tall. <laughs> he's, he's looking down on Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> like, and Betty's the one who's like, hey, y'all are breaking my high. So please, please stop this right now yeah we can't be doing that yeah but i was like oh shit yeah well i would have liked to see that fight but they don't actually fight so unfortunately for the audience me didn't get to see it but it was yeah it's very like random because there's also slurs from like the other gangsters that come up i was just like oh i'm not like it feels like somebody hit me (laughs) i was like i wasn't really prepared like i don't know why i wasn't prepared obviously it just fits the whole crime thing. But at the same time, I was like, ooh, forgot about that. Because I, I heard spades at one point. Again, the slurs are just like, shit, where y'all digging these up from? It's <laughs> like, no, no. Um, so after the shooting, uh, I believe Carver's like, hey, sorry about that, but not really. <laughs> He's like, it'd be like that. Yeah, niggas die every day, B. <laughs> Quote the great Cameron. He doesn't mm. give a shit. He's like, I don't, I don't do Princeton, so I don't have to do this shit. Yeah, like he tried to get like some solid from that man, but like, have you ever taken a life? He's like, what? No, <laughs> like, girl, I work in the office. I recruit coats to do this shit for me. Like, I get why you. would I? <laughs> I get you niggas to do this shit for me, huh? Shit, girl. <laughs> like, why would I want to deal with that on my conscience? What? Girl, yeah. What? 
Yeah. So anyways, go buy a nicer apartment because you got money now and you need to be uh, showing that shit off. Whatever this little this little shithole you live in, like that's not working. And I was like, he is distraught. (laughs) (laughs) He's distraught. He's going through it. He's having a psychological upset. (laughs) Carver's just like, deal with that on your own time, bitch. Can't help you. Yeah, we just gotta keep it moving. We we're really close to the target. Yeah, it's me and him. And I think too, because he shot ponytail full force. Uh, John also said like, if I do this, like you have to make me a partner, like fifty fifty, so he can get closer and closer to these people. Mind you, he's still only at the bottom level. <laughs> he's not even with Barbosa like that for real. So I was just like, shit, man. Like this is. Oh, this is a lot for very little reward. And now you're starting to break down emotionally. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's it's worth it. Like, who are you helping? Like, multiple people have died on your watch. Mm. Like, a 13-year-old died. A lady got shot in the head right in front of you. You killed a guy. That's three people. You've been mm. there, like, <laughs> like, a month and a half. Mm. it's so bad. So I think, oh, is this when the, the, the discussion about the crack babies, too? This is when that happens, I think, where he's yeah. just like, hey, hey, you want some motivation? Those crack babies are out there going, yeah. through, and, going through withdrawal. Yeah, you know, their mothers are born addicted to crack and they can't read, they can't write, they can't see, they can't think. They're barely even human. And I'm like, yeah, the, the way that like the the children of mothers who were born addicted to substances the way they're talked about is just like they're not people like they're it's very dehumanizing language and that is the common language that was used around this time like whole um new segments were dedicated to talking about these children yeah um in this manner yeah which we don't even really talk about that that much anymore like that um i don't know what happened or what replaced that news segment um because you know sometimes the news likes to really hammer on something (laughs) when they get a hold of it and that was like a big thing in the 90s um and also he kind of makes it like seem like it's your community that you'll be helping i'm just like are there no white crack babies (laughs) like what are we what are we talking about here <laughs> I was like oh so it's it just seems like a very much of like a hey by the way look at all these black sad babies that you're not helping if you don't help us and I was like oh gross 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 mm. and John's like yeah sure I'll do it for the crack babies <laughs> he doesn't actually say that but that's the vibe I was getting and I was like this is awful <laughs> this is this is a lot um because i think it says like your people yeah like not you're not helping like everybody you're just helping your people which i guess john would be motivated by helping his like local community or whatever but i was like that can't just be only us that seems to put a lot of implications on black people seems a lot of like a lot of welfare queen-esque language <laughs> Yeah. you know perpetual narrative wells yeah those people can't just seem to fucking get it together isn't that crazy how we freed them from slavery <laughs> and look at them they just can't do it and i'm like oh god jesus christ 
But um, John starts feeling himself. He gets more into character. He's got this nice ass fucking house in the hills. Um, he also goes and sleeps with Betty, uh, which is very aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> the scene wasn't very aggressive. It's very quiet storm. Hope you know what that is, kids. If you don't, please go Google it and come back. <laughs> there's, yeah. some, there's some 40 year olds running around. Apparently you don't know what quiet storm is. I find that quite upsetting please don't be an op learn about your community but like <laughs> that did you what did you think about you know scene? that oh wait the scene yeah it was not the sex scene but like i guess the whole thing leading up to it is very like i don't know it felt very mm-hmm. 90s it was like okay, a lot of saxophones yeah. yeah i was like okay like this is like fucking in a tv store yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, was, you're. Yeah. Whenever sorry. we decide to watch Jason's lyric. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Does she live in the gallery? <laughs> it almost seemed like she lived above the gallery or something. I was like, "Are you in a back room in this gallery? Or are you like in your own? She has an apartment. We see it later. But I was like, at the time, I was like, "Where are you doing? This is priceless works of art." <laughs> I did like the blue light. I thought that was nice. Mm-hmm. This is like literally like maybe the second time they've ever spoken to each other. So I thought that was a little bit much. He's like, you can't stop thinking about me. And I was like, all right, girl, I guess you really certain that dominance out here in these streets. But she says, hey, I got a present for you. And I guess her the present is her cooch. So good for you, John. You did it. <laughs> Brittany's looking at me like, how dare you? She said, I got a present for you. What was the present? Because it wasn't the masks that he had asked for. It could have been one of those priceless masks and the pussy. But- <laughs> no, because she when he came there, he's like, I'm still waiting for those masks. And she was like, oh, you do your shopping at night. He's like, I do a lot of things at night. And I was like, John, no, you don't. You're a loser. <laughs> so this is what I surmised by the dialogue that was given to me. <laughs> they have their quiet storm love uh love scene and it was nice they did they they did mm-hmm. oh god the incense stick i forgot about that i laughed at that bitch i had to i'm sorry <laughs> the close-up of the incense stick was so ridiculous i was like this is so extra <laughs> you gotta, you gotta yeah she said the moon was that the president Brady? the incense stick <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, so they I guess they go together. We don't ever see them together romantically except for like one more time, kind of. So their relationship is very half-assed. Like they I don't know. They didn't put a lot of effort into it. Like she doesn't even become like his sidekick. Like, you know how, you know, they'll meet and then they'll be like yeah I won't leave you blah 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 it's like they don't even do that yeah she just needs a little extra fine tuning as a character yeah I mean they don't do her like some of the girls in belly yeah it's not it's not like that at all thank god but it's not great either she's just like here's another prop for John he's on his quest to becoming a a big boy and <laughs> he's got the girl now got the nice house got the nice suit um uh david's in his house putting his uh nasty filthy shoes on his furniture mm. don't do that <laughs> that's rude as hell why does this keep coming up the whole like 
what have you done? What's the weirdest thing you've done sexually? That keeps that question kept coming up between yeah. them. Is it like banter? Is this there just their weird banter? I think it's yeah. <laughs> Man, like my thing was it was like was David trying to get something he could he later use as blackmail? Like yeah. Oh, he be like licking feet and shit or like <laughs> whatever is and, considered. I don't know. I don't know. Really perverse and like something that you're embarrassed of that maybe I could use later against you. Which... I feel like David is out here though. Or like, is it something that I could collect this information and, you know, use it to plan a surprise party? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell everybody that you like feet. That's <laughs> your so surprise party. Foot party. <laughs> it's like Peggy Hill, something great. Oh like, God, Peggy in the chat rooms. Showing that <laughs> she really was. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think, yeah, maybe it was just like his icebreaker. Okay. Ooh. Very intense icebreaker. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like you'd have to do a lot to out freak David, though. There's something about him that was like, you be out yeah, here. Yeah, that's a freak. Yeah. Something about his vibe. I was like, you out here being nasty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not with your wife, though. You out here, though, like for real. But this is when everything goes kind of sideways. Um, for some reason, they're at a, a weird restaurant. I think it's one of the mobsters' birthdays. His name is Gopher. He's kind of adorable. He's like their little short friend. <laughs> and there's like a nun stripping for whatever reason. There's no one else in there. Um with her high-waisted panties and <laughs> her dresses. And- yeah, her tassels, and she's got a habit on. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's fine. Somebody is working out some some fantasies here, I see. So, <laughs> so they start fighting because basically, like, David's kind of, like, not on the outs with them, but they just like John more. Like, they just have kind of warmed up to John more, I guess, than they did with Eddie because Eddie was a moron. <laughs> John, I think, has it a little bit together. And um, they've also were joking about David's pitch about the synthetic cocaine. And David takes it personally. And they do that weird hand slapping game. Like you're on the playground and David loses is a, is a lot <laughs> it just escalates into someone's going to die maybe not today but soon enough someone ain't gonna make it and david is pissed and he's just like they don't treat me right um he tells his wife that was his i didn't think his wife was involved but she knew she knew what was going on she was the carmela soprano of the situation and mm. he was like, I want my cake and eat it too, which I was like, shout out to you, Marie Antoinette, I guess. <laughs> she mm. was like, I was like, David, you're not built for this. No offense. Like, that's no. <laughs> and so Felix plots against them. They get the dirty cop that is like Clarence Williams' partner. Clarence Williams has a, a I think it's Taft, but we just keep calling him Terrence Williams. It don't matter. So he gives him David and John. He says a lot of slur. Oh, and Betty too. And says a lot of slurs about all three of them. Mm-hmm. And um, also especially request David be killed in the process. <laughs> he was like, hey, somebody do my dirty work for me, please. Thank you. 
Um, and John is not supposed to go to this whole bust because Carver somehow seems to know everything that's going on and decides, I guess, when he feels like intervening and when he doesn't. Because he keeps mm-hmm. calling himself God. Which I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't feeling that shit. Yeah, he was like, don't get involved. And John is like, can't you get involved with like, you know, can't you stop it? And he's like, I can't get involved with local PD. And he was like, you do it all the time. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about. But he was like, no, I'm not doing any of that. Um, And I think if David dies, then they're going to lose their connection to Barbosa. Whether they're going to lose their connection to Barbosa or they're going to lose their connection to Gallegos. One of them, if some like, basically, if David dies, all their hard work is for nothing. Was the gist. <laughs> Yeah. This is when everything gets a little complicated. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, it's too many steps in the plan. You're right. I was me. like, like, let's get to just get to the mobsters. Like, don't even do all of this. It's too much work. But basically, there is like some weird um thing where they were supposed to be like transferring money or something. I forget. And then uh Clarence's trigger happy partner ends up shooting somebody. John is is stuffs everybody in the limo and is doing some crazy ass driving through LA. Um, David is threatening Felix <laughs> and shooting him in the hands in mm. the car and then try and tell him to get the fuck out of the car. And then they end up, he ends up getting out of the car in one of those like tunnels. I forget if it's that really famous one, but um, he forces him out of the car and Felix is like immediately ran over by a cop, like almost instantly. <laughs> I was like, this is so ridiculous because Felix is wearing a wire. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. Felix is an informant to the cops, and that's why he knows the crooked cop, um, Hernandez, I guess. It's just a lot. The scene was kind of cool. I mean, the driving was cool, but at this point, I was like, there's just a lot of extra steps. Yeah. <laughs> like, we we're going down some random ass rabbit holes. I feel like we could just be doing this upward trajectory that we were doing before and Betty was like fuck this I'm not doing this no more <laughs> which I don't blame her get out. no I don't blame her shit she was mm-hmm. like fuck that um and so this is like the last time they have like a romantic moment where they're just kind of snuggled up and I feel like she was about to make him do coke with her because she had the coke laid out yeah, at this, I know he hasn't done drugs yet, but no, he hasn't. Not at this point. But I was like, oh, is this like the tempting of Adam or whoever the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because some dude stops them. And I think it's one of Guzman, no, Gallego's men. And then he's like, basically, like, Felix owed me a lot of money. Y'all finna owe me a lot of money. Um, and at the same time, Carver meets John and is like, yeah, so we don't want anybody to touch Guzman anymore, which I feel like was the plan the whole time because they're like, yeah, he's going to run for president in his country. We saw him in the country and uh, we like that idea. So we're not going to do anything to intervene, which the U.S. should not get away with the things that gets away with, I swear to God. <laughs> like, could you imagine any other country being like, yeah, we don't want you to win the presidency. We want this person to win the presidency. And that just being fine. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, you can't get away with this shit. It's so bad. I cannot, I cannot believe that that's even like, 
like not even legally possible. I just is, I guess it's just because of our military that nobody's just like, yeah, we're not gonna do, we're not gonna step to that right now. We'll we'll table this for later. <laughs> I'd be like so fucking bad if I was like a person in another country. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> because when the shoe was on the other foot, like people were wanting to burn this shit down in the ground. <laughs> that was only a few years ago, like almost eight years ago now. Isn't that crazy? God, it feels like yesterday. But yeah, when the shoe was on the other foot and somebody was interfering with our shit, suddenly it was like, how dare the rest of the world touch us? And it's like, you go around beating up everybody in the playground. And then somebody came and smacked you around a little bit. And you were like, how dare you? And it's like, please. It's so fucking, it, it would be childish if it wasn't like people's lives. Yeah. Um, but it are people's lives involved. So, um, so John is fully, I, I don't, at this point, I feel like he has fully broken with the legal system as like an actual legitimate way to do anything, which I mean, I don't know, better late than never, but then he starts doing drugs. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, how's that going to make your case any better? <laughs> yeah. He's a big boy now, Brittany. How do you feel about his drug use? It's very minor. Yeah. But also, like, you you see what David is up to. Like. You can't compare. <laughs> you. It just seems like a very bad idea. It, like, the John, don't do this. This is a very bad idea. Yeah. Period. Like. Yeah. He, he was kind of wilding out in that car. Like, what? Like. You you know this is going to be bad. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, his basic plan is like, well, fuck it. I'm going to take down everybody myself. It's <laughs> like, this is very unrealistic. But okay. I see what you're doing. This is still a movie. I'm still tuned in. And uh, I think, like, I don't even know. Like, one question I had was, was it even about Guzman in the first place or is it just like getting a cop to sell drugs to the community <laughs> like how and like getting to monitor that because he's not really doing anything I mean he's got a few people killed <laughs> um and he's gotten like one supplier down but there's still others so I was just kind of wondering like in the grand scheme of things because you know he sees all he knows all carver does like is this just a ploy to be like here we need somebody that we can monitor to ruin the black population of la (laughs) the black and brown population of la like i don't know how do you what am i am i reaching in my conspiracy theories Uh, is this this sprinkle some crack on them type conspiracy theory or or is this like, I mean, I feel like that's a very legitimate theory, actually. But like, am I reaching? Am I am I going somewhere? For me, personally, I was like, oh, okay, he's going <laughs> to give up. And that's it. Whatever. Um, but no, I don't think that would be too much of a reach. Because if he knows all, he sees all, he could do all, technically. Mm-hmm. Turn it on, turn it off, like water faucet. <laughs> um, yeah. That it could be kind of what we're getting at at this particular moment. Yeah, it just feels kind of like, well, at least you kind of ruined some lives. <laughs> Called some revolutionaries, potential uh, blowback, 
you know, anti-cop things, you know, we just kind of got to keep the people in submission and that's good enough for us. Cause he just switches on him so fast. He's like, yeah, no, never mind. Yeah, we well, we're taking this in another direction for right now. Yeah, I was like, you can't take my life in another direction. <laughs> this is my life. Like, that's why I didn't understand. Like, the undercover thing seem thing seems so like it just seems like a lose lose proposition. Like, if somebody came to me and was like, "Yeah, go undercover," I'm like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> I have a life. I want to lead. Like how? Like how would you get out? Like that's true. You can't at like, a certain point, how would you be able to get out? Like one, we, once you're in, you're going to be doing this for a very long time. Yeah, as long as they want you to. Like, what are you going to do? Just leave? Like, and even if like your mission or your assignment is done, they'll just like put you somewhere else. Yeah, like how? How, how would you get out? Because. Like how? Just yeah. how would you get out? Yeah, there's no like contingency plan. <laughs> there's no like, okay, we got an exit strategy for you. Just like, oh yeah, you did? Okay. <laughs> my, my bad. Especially since a lot of these situations, it's like you and another person are the only people who know that you are in it. So if something happens <laughs> and people don't know that you're a cop or something like that like you can't just be like hey fellow cop i also too am a cop <laughs> and then be like uh since when <laughs> so, like are you even in the system that kind of thing so it's just a lot but gallegos decides that he's going to extort them for like 1.8 million dollars which somehow they managed to get the million and then he's like yeah so there's interest and all this other shit on the 800,000 so just give me like another million and then John just shoots him in the chest at the movie theater that they go to it's a whole thing and they just run off and they manage to steal a bunch of his money that's in some random ass truck in some part of LA which is apparently like a hundred million dollars just sitting there in somebody's garage for a rainy day <laughs> i was like you did what are you gonna you're not gonna put that money in it like an offshore bank maybe something it's like your grandmother hiding money under the bed <laughs> i mean i mean nobody some, was touching it clearly yeah. maybe but, it's good to sit there for a little bit yeah we don't get a lot of gallegos character or anything like we did with felix um so we don't really learn a whole lot about him because he's already dead and then by the time he's dead his uncle comes around and uh is like yo where's my money also i would like to talk about john's narration in this uh because a lot of times he's on his poetry shit but then also he says <laughs> he says <laughs> he says he was turned out like a two dollar hoe <laughs> Once again, I want to throw a question to the writers. What were we doing? <laughs> In the writer's room, what was happening? <laughs> Brittany is snapping like she's at a poetry jam. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I was like, you told Lawrence Fishburne to say that in the booth. <laughs> Can't do shit but laugh. It's so ridiculous. Is it even fair for him to make that assessment? Like, were you the $2 hoe of the drug enforcement agency? That's what he's liking himself to. 
Simon. He said he doesn't even get the money at the end or whatever. <laughs> it's so dramatic. It's so dramatic. Um, I feel like at this point, who else? I feel okay. I may be out of order, but like Belinda dies. Uh, so the young baby is without a mother. He's like six, but you know, that's mm-hmm. a baby to me. And um, he also says something really stupid, John does, where he's like, I never realized how pretty she was until she stopped talking. And I was like, <laughs> Like, sir. I was like, now we're getting into some territory that I feel like you should have just kept it quiet. <laughs> sir, like, sir. I was like, she died of drug overdose. Like, oh Lord, this is what drinking and Coke does to you. So he gives Betty some money and leaves and she leaves uh clarence is now on his shoulder trying to be the angel of the lapd i guess you're like don't do it john you need to do right by the african-american babies yeah on the street basically you're 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 fucking up this lady did that man did everybody did and you are the cause of it and john is just like I don't know. Nothing matters, basically. I was like, all right. This is like the your one setback <laughs> in your entire well, not your one setback in your entire life, but I was like, sir, people have had it way harder than you have in the last few months. <laughs> and you're just like, nothing matters anymore. Fuck it. He's just over it. He's seen so much in yeah. the last three weeks. <laughs> basically. <laughs> You hadn't even uh, registered yourself as a resident in LA yet. And you were already out here being like, I can't take it anymore. Um, and with, you know, all the murders and stuff, now Guzman is coming. And I feel like they said that if something else happened that like all of Latin America, which I was like, oh, the entirety of North and South America and <laughs> Central America too. Like we're not going to differentiate all of Latin America. It's just like, we're going to be on your ass. So we can sell drugs to the West Coast. And at this point, David keeps talking about his synthetic Coke. And I was like, wow, it feels like like those guys who talk about crypto. Where you're just talking a lot. And I feel like I know that you believe in what you're saying, but I don't want to believe in what you're saying. And I was like, no one is buying this. It's a good pitch for him that he's going to continue to pitch the idea get Mm. everybody on board until someone be like you know what david that is a brilliant idea let's do that let's do that let's fire you over google meet (laughs) like that one guy got fired the other day over google meet over some it's not crypto it's ai i was like good lord Got fired and they asked him back the next day. Real ghetto. <laughs> so uh, it's a mess out here, y'all. Uh, so they meet up with Guzman at San Pedro Harbor, which a lot of places show San Pedro in their movies. I'm just like, is that like the the criminal underworld of LA? <laughs> is that the, like the best place? I guess because of the docks and the harbor and all that shit. But um, and all those like massive, massive ships. But um, and I guess because it's like a good place to ship drugs, maybe. <laughs> That's an assumption. I've never been down there. So I have no idea. But Guzman accuses them of like trying to cut out the Latin American voice in the drug game, I guess. And David goes on this whole thing about how there's only rich people and poor people. 
I don't know if that's true from his perspective. He would be, what does he consider himself as? Like, is he a rich or poor person? And from his perspective, and that from the viewer, like, he is a rich man. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's not as rich as probably like Guzman because he just came into a hundred million dollars. Like, he didn't have a hundred million dollars to do anything. And he's a, a working lawyer. Yeah, I don't know where he was. I don't know. I feel like once he killed a guy, like, he was just like, listen, but I'm taking it all. Me yeah, synthetic robotic cocaine. <laughs> we about to do this. Yeah, I just feel like he he kind of just it's the you know the 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 switch flipped in his brain, and suddenly mm-hmm. he was talking all this weird shit. Like, More weird we, shit. We're getting wealthy <laughs> out here. What what is your <laughs> like new fetish? That's what I'm gonna ask. It's next. new fetish. Oh yeah, let's ask Guzman. Let's ask this diplomat. What's the weirdest thing he's ever done sexually? <laughs> Um, so Guzman has diplomatic plates and Clarence is also there hiding behind some, something. And he's talking to, on the radio and they're like, girl, you can't do nothing about it. Sorry. He's a diplomat. And I was like, he's selling drugs. <laughs> he is selling drugs to America's youth. Um, but they, I guess they're into the idea of the, the crypto cocaine, but we don't really get that far into the deal because they end up just leaving mm-hmm. and um which i was like do they really even give a fuck about any of this happening right now <laughs> just see like they're just like eh all right yeah we'll hear you out white boy bye <laughs> and then we'll table it yeah but before they can leave it's okay fucking clarence comes out of nowhere and is like it's like very vigilante like he's like um he's like i'm going to save the day which is a terrible idea. You are in it alone, and that like you are for real, for real in it alone. Yeah, like your partner was a crooked cop. Mm-hmm. You don't know, like you just trying to be the mature black man to mentor this young black man who is selling <laughs> dope on the streets. <laughs> but you don't know where he is really. He's from your perspective. It's just like this young dope dealer. I'm yeah, gonna get him on the right path. Yeah. So you are by your self yeah trying to take down a whole organization by yourself for a group like and not, and not just an organization but an organization with political ties yeah so and some partially backed by the united states government yeah they'll like, get rid of you faster than we'll get rid of him for sure <laughs> like you are you is in this bitch alone like it's just yeah you. so yeah. but he was like I'm gonna arrest you guys or whatever. And I was like, Clarence, no. <laughs> uh, I was like, uh, no. Yeah, it was not. Oh God. I feel like they left. They didn't do anything to him, but then it was like I was trying to figure out who's gonna shoot him first, basically. And it turns out it was David. Yeah, David was sick of the shit and just needed his money to continue on becoming a big man that he wanted to be. Yeah, and um, this was the big reveal that um, John is a cop because he starts radioing all the special secret code words that they radio when there's like an officer down or whatever, and they're like, please get your ass. Because I think Clarence called the cops. They were like, come here. Like, we're not going to arrest him, but I guess come here. I don't know. Some Something in that vein. So cops are on their way, but then, you know, John is trying to help it out a lot by being like hey there's a guy that's down here he's shot he's an officer please come help and um 
to me, this felt very fast and furious, like, because this is exactly what happened <laughs> when Brian was like, I need backup, blah, 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 blah. And fucking uh, Vin Diesel was looking at him like, what the fuck is happening? I thought you were my brother. I thought you were my He's family. Like, I thought we was just moving DVD players. <laughs> what the fuck? For DVD players to have a criminal enterprise, like, you know how long, far we have come. A DVD player is like, Twenty dollars now. <laughs> Back then, just, that was real money. DVD player, I would say like five hundred dollars. It was a lot of money when my mom got her first DVD player. I was like, God damn! <laughs> and only a few things were on DVD at the time, so it's, I was like, This is kind of expensive. But it, yeah, it the whole thing was like, Dave was like, What are you talking about? What are you saying? I was like, you're not going to clue in. He's using cop words. You're dealing with a cop. You've been accusing him of being a cop. This is a whole movie. And he is finally telling you that he is actually a cop. Like for real, for real. You need to shoot him in the chest too. I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to and like run off into the sunset or whatever. The fogs and the mists of San Pedro Harbor. Um, But he says something weird, which I didn't understand. And also a slur where he said 500 million and no more nigger. And I was like. So once again, there's that word there. <laughs> but also, is he saying like, hey, John, you could be in the big leagues now. You ain't got to be like, I, oh. Oh. the comfort at which people use that word <laughs> infuriates me. But I was like, wait, is that what we're saying? Like, what did you, did you catch that? Um, I miss that particular dialogue exchange it was weird because at first i thought he was saying like oh shit you a cop i can get the 500 million and shoot you and i ain't gotta worry about you no more but then he was still trying to be like hey like fuck it like let's go let's get in the van so i was like is that directed that whole line directed to john being like (laughs) what are you doing what are you doing? It, you know, coming from David, I think it was more like we dapping up. We yeah. are still in this together. That's all I was thinking you were doing, but I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> you imagine if David had dapped him up at any point in this time in this movie? I know he wanted to. Yeah, probably. Hey, let me show you what I learned <laughs> on the streets. <laughs> Yeah, I thought initially I thought he was like, oh, shit, I can get the money and you can get the fuck out of my way. And then he was like, no, let's still do this thing. Let's sell my synthetic cocaine, my polyester cocaine or whatever. Like, I don't know. With vegan leather cocaine. <laughs> Sometimes vegan leather is not plastic. Sometimes it is made out of cactuses and things. But yes, his vegan leather cocaine. <laughs> it yeah oh um which i thought was very interesting i was like damn he really think y'all are brothers out here that's that was his boy i was his yeah and i was like his boy. yeah and then he shoots clarence in the chest and kills him because i think clarence was like alive still but just bleeding out and bleeding out a lot and then david shoots him again it's over he's dead mm-hmm. and i was like no nah, he didn't have to do that <laughs> he had to go out like that but i guess that was his way of being like leave him behind let's go and i was like yeah he gonna like mm, he gonna tell on everybody so like he, he's seen a lot so let's let's 
Yeah, he's, that's true. He has seen a lot. He's the only person who can say like to point us out. Mm-hmm. And he's radioed in. They don't know that, yeah. but they already told him he couldn't make an arrest, and they're already gone. So it doesn't even really matter. <laughs> so, ooh, R.I.P. Clarence. He didn't have to go out like that. Because mm-hmm. I was like, that's a little bit undignified, <laughs> to be honest. He was re- yeah, really trying to be a hero. Yeah. Um, but I guess after that, girl John and this you're the right to remain silent. <laughs> this Miranda writes. And I was like, you okay. <laughs> and I thought he was really gonna try to arrest him. It was more symbolic than anything. You're like, I have shown who I am. I am my inner me is a cop. Yeah. It's not a drug dealer living the life. My inner, my inner person, my inner me. Yeah, is I'm not here. I'm not really out here being a freaky frog like you. I am just a humble cop from the Midwest. Yes, and we, and more specifically, you have done a lot of crimes, Jason. So we gonna have to <laughs> wrap this up. I'm gonna yeah. have to take you down to yeah. the office. Do some quick. Yeah, I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me with this shit? Yeah. He does get up and walk away. I was like, you play too much. I'm, you play you play entirely too much. Yeah, no, at that point I'd be like, okay, you little loser. I'm gonna get the fuck up out of here. But they end up doing that kind of weird like Western standoff type thing where they end up pointing their guns at each other at the same time as shooting. But apparently, John is a quicker shot than David, and David goes down. And um, you think that'd be the end of it. That's not the end of it, because now he got to go in court and say all these really nice things about how the undercover program has enriched his life and has enriched the people's lives, and how he's done all this great work and he's taken down a drug empire. And blah, 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 blah. And they said, basically, um, well, Carver basically says, if you don't say all this nice shit, Betty's going down. She's going to be under the jail. We're going to keep her in the penitentiary for, federal penitentiary for ever, basically, because she's got all these charges against her. And he said he would make sure that they would be served concurrently or whatever not concurrently whatever it is where you just have to serve them back to back and i was like that's slow down and dirty because mm. i was like betty i mean she was doing some she was doing fraud but she didn't kill nobody but no i guess maybe mm. if you defraud people here you get down for more than like killing people seems like it sometimes because elizabeth i mean elizabeth is about to kill a lot of people <laughs> Miss Elizabeth Holmes is about to kill a lot of people with that damn machine. And they're like, well, you defrauded the investors. And she, what, she got four years, five years? Oh, eight years. I forgot. She got way more than that. But like, she was on the table for way more than that. But then she, I think she probably got reduced or whatever. Then she keeps having kids. So she don't have to go to jail. But they were like, listen, lady, you need to report in (laughs) immediately. But yeah, it was nothing about like the potential harm against the everyman. It was like, hey, you defrauded the investors. So you got to go to jail. I was like, Mm. oh, okay. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) I was like, you could have only told me I had cancer if I used any little weird ass machines, (laughs) but that's fine. That's cool. So 
in the process of him, like, you know, yucking it up in this hearing or whatever, he also says that he has a tape of Guzman, uh, I guess, trying out David's synthetic coke. And he has distributed that tape to the press and everybody's scrambling and all this other shit. And I was like, wow, what a fairy tale. <laughs> this is a fucking fairy tale. Do you hear me? Also, the guy Gopher, little guy, is like his his Greg Hirsch from <laughs> Succession with the helping it out and stuff. I was like, how did you even convince him to help you? Like, he's also a part of the like cartel. <laughs> Didn't understand how that even worked. I was like, this is a fantasy at this point. Everything is a fantasy. John gets to punch Carver in the in the stomach with that stupid question again. So justice is served that way. And not only is justice being served in the press, but John also somehow has custody of Belinda's son and has kept the money. Yeah. Kept part of the money. And he has this whole little monologue about, you know, it doesn't matter where the money comes from or whatever. (laughs) And like, some other shit like it's just I don't know he's a good guy but not really but maybe (laughs) and maybe he'll help his community maybe and maybe he'll just live off of it in the hills that's it there he is (laughs) I guess I get this you know you get to decide what I'm gonna do with that money but you're not gonna see me spend it so I could help the community I could go put up my nose I could go drink it just be in yeah, oh, a whole bunch of money. <laughs> no more getting turned out like a $2 hoe. He is out here and he's free, full of drug money. Congratulations, John. So proud of you. Mm-hmm. You did it all. What a ending to a crazy ass movie. <laughs> I feel like I can recommend it only because I was like, wow, this is, it wasn't like too conspiracy heavy where you're just kind of like you have to figure out all the clues like you know who all the players are you just kind of you know you're in the video game of John's life and he's slowly getting up to like Bowser's castle or whatever but um I don't know it was a wild one a lot of things in this movie I was like not prepared for (laughs) I was not prepared for like a lot of this it just (laughs) every slur just kind of took me into like another like oh shit wait (laughs) like I was looking at my phone and now I'm back in it but (laughs) I don't know it was it was a journey it was it was my brain is kind of fried from it (laughs) how do you feel how would you recommend this Um, I would recommend it um naturally because I picked (laughs) you did pick this for uh this particular pairing um it moved like from watching like everybody who listens to this podcast, y'all know my attention span is shot. And if I don't walk away from the movie in the first five minutes, then it's good. Yeah, she for the most part, she turns off every single thing ever. <laughs> um, so it is a a movie that keeps you engaged. It's also a movie that has it. It has more of a plot, more of direction than Belly. Like we were able to see John progress. As an undercover officer in his role as a drug dealer, like he was able to move up the ranks and progress his story. Also, he had to 
like struggle and come to terms with what was important to him. Like is working and trying to protect his community more important than his disdain for the people who actually live in his community. Um, And I don't know if the story itself kind of really weighed that question. Yeah. But we did see like John kind of work through that. Um, and it it's a interesting overall story in term, terms of being a noir because you don't know where it is going to land at the end. Yeah, I was very surprised that there was like a happy ending. Like really surprised. Because <laughs> most times I was like, no, you don't get that. Like the fact that he's even walking around freely and nobody's like picked him up and thrown him in like a black van <laughs> is kind yeah. of amazing. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might spend the money. Which I was like, why do you need to like, why are you weighing that you might help people out with your money? <laughs> and like this character doesn't walk away with the money typically in the end. This character eats shit. Like this character he dies. Di- he usually <laughs> dies. Because when I was, I was thinking about, I, I don't like these movies, but I was thinking about The Departed in Infernal Affairs which is the part it's based off of uh, that stars uh, Tony Long. And like, if he's the Leo character, Leo, I mean, to spoil it for everybody, but like the movie's old as shit now, Leo gets popped at the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, right, like right when you think it's going to be like, a, oh shit, he saved the day. He actually managed to evade his captors and he's going to take this person to jail. Nope. <laughs> He gets got like one of the worst ways I've ever seen. I don't know if I've ever, I mean, I've seen Leo die in a couple of movies, but I was like, oh, I was not. Whoa. I <laughs> didn't know. Didn't know you were going to do that to him like that. But that's what I was thinking. Like that was going to happen to John. Mm-hmm. Like somebody would just came out of the woodwork, Hernandez or whoever. You're Betty. Like Betty gets the money. <laughs> like, yeah. Betty gets the money. Yeah. That's kind of what happened in, um, What's that movie? I didn't like this movie either. <laughs> in like Nightmare Alley, like uh, uh, Kate Blanchett, I think she got the money, and then fucking Bradley Cooper is out here doing sideshows and shit <laughs> in the circus. So it doesn't really work out for a lot of people. Like even if you live, you're still kind of fucked. So the fact that I mean, it kind of they almost make it seem like he's fucked, but I was like, sorry, you have thirteen million dollars at your disposal. That's more than you would ever got just doing regular cop work. So I don't know if we're supposed to like consider that he might get into the drug game himself. So this is such a like a moral quandary of like, what am I going to do with myself? But I mean, you got Betty, you got the kid. So I'm I'm assuming you're not going to put them in further danger, but you don't seem to have a lot of smarts. So I don't know. Maybe you will, <laughs> Maybe you will do that. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend it too, just because it's wild as hell. But I feel like, in a certain, in the case of like noirs, I feel like there's not really a lot of black-led noirs either. Like we didn't really talk about that, but um, I can't really think of any like classic black-led noirs. And I'm sure there is one, but it's just not coming to me right now. And then neo-noir is like it's kind of like devil in a blue dress and i feel like you said the mighty quinn was a noir 
Yeah, well, according to to be uh, <laughs> they had it characterized as a noir and this is is my favorite Denzel Washington movie mm-hmm. the only one of the few that I respect um shame on you and it is about like a detective in Jamaica does he have who, a Jamaican accent in this movie yeah Ooh. no wait yeah he does vaguely and so does uh Aquarian legend Robert Townsend. Oh, how good was this accent? Uh, It is a little Cleo adjacent. Oh, but he is trying to like clear his name. Okay, as a detective, he's accused of murder. He's like, No, I'm an upstanding lawman, I'll do shit like that. So Brittany has done it again, and by it, I mean she has led me astray and told me uh, the wrong plot points <laughs> to The Mighty Quinn. I actually watched it last night on Tubi. It's streaming there right now. This is not sponsored, and I think you should watch it. Um, it was really entertaining. But just to clarify some of those plot points, so The Mighty Quinn follows Quinn, the chief of police, played by Denzel Washington. He works on a small u.s territory in the caribbean quote unquote not specified but we thought it was jamaica i think and he is investigating the murder of a white man the prime suspect is his friend Moby, played by robert townsend and quinn spends the movie basically trying to clear Moby's name find Moby, and also find out who the real killer is uh the wigs are a choice the accents are an afterthought but i actually really enjoyed myself and would recommend it along with britney yeah i haven't seen the mighty quinn i know you have talked about it uh a lot since we it started this podcast. shirley ralph performing in it she sings a song that i love it was yeah. a staple in my childhood because i've watched this movie so many times <laughs> this is on tubi right now uh-huh. Um, I think too, who else? So you said Robert Townsend, Mimi Rogers, who's in uh the movie that you talked about, The Rapture. Um I just have never so this is described by Roger Ebert. First of all, he said it was one of the best films in 1989. He also described it as a spy thriller, a buddy movie, a musical, a comedy, and a picture that is wise about human nature. This is a tall order. It got a little Got a little bit of everything for everybody. Yeah, I don't usually hear about the Mighty Quinn in Denzel's filmography. Um, so, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, check it out. I might try to get to watch it if I uh, can squeeze any more movies into my schedule. It has been a wild ass November. Um, I'm trying to, I don't know exactly what you would classify it as, but to me, I would consider it to be a noir, but I could be totally wrong. Um, and it's a movie I like, I feel like I talked about it in the last couple of episodes like that we did on neo-noirs and noirs and it's under the silver lake. Like I feel like that is the most, like one of the more modern ones because it came out like 2018, um, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the mystery and how, like, it's it's a weird movie, um, but I enjoyed the mystery surrounding it and the how it is solved and how everything unravels and like that pause. You wonder how I got here, like <laughs> that kind of 
His life is a fucking mess. I'm not going to lie. So, I mean, in addition to The Mighty Quinn, would you recommend anything else as far as, I guess, movies to accompany this one? Because all the the movies we just talked about, like, they don't star Black people. They don't. (laughs) They don't star any Black people at all. Um, Yeah, go watch The Devil in a Blue Dress. I've watched it. Mm -hmm. I respect that movie as a work of Denzel Washington. He was looking real good, looking real great. Yeah. Um, Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I would say Devil in a Blue Dress. It's not the same as this, trust me. We going back to the 40s. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's... um, He's like a what a GI that comes home to mm-hmm. live in LA, and then there's just a whole bunch of shit that happens. <laughs> I can't remember mm-hmm. everything. Don Cheadle's in it for a very brief moment, but he like steals the show pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I haven't. Wa- I think I watched it the first time like last year, maybe, and it was pretty good. But I can't remember a lot of it, so I just remember things all looking really, really good, mm-hmm. which he yeah. does in a lot of things. So I mean, hey. If I can't remember anything, at least I had a, a feast for the eyes. You know, I was not starved for beauty in that situation. It was a great time. I mean, I mentioned Fast and Furious, which I was like, only half kidding. Like, it was very like, oh, wow, this is Brian and Dom all over again. Family has been broken up. <laughs> What's going to happen with the family? Um, but also, I mean, this is a very loose recommendation (laughs) and I also said the departed which I don't like but you can watch I guess and I mean it feels kind of godfathery not in story but like in character because at the beginning of the godfather Michael is a very like upstanding moral citizen in comparison to his raggedy ass family uh full of criminals and you know his dad is you know he's an upstanding man but he has also the head of a criminal empire <laughs> and Michael's like listen I went to college and I went and fought in world war ii I'm a good person and um he slowly but surely is no longer a good person about the end of that movie and definitely not a good person at the start of the second one. So I thought it was a nice kind of maybe character study because a lot of times we don't really get to see that downward trajectory into awfulness when we have our black stars in these types of films. Um, I don't know if that's some sort of larger conversation that we can have that we don't have time for today, but you know, in the future, maybe we should discuss why we don't get to really have those really interesting character arcs in that way. Um, I have thoughts, but I will save them for later. But that's something that I thought that was uh, probably one of the ultimate character studies, I would say, in terms of having this really good upstanding person who is about the law and, you know, we should call the cops and get them involved. And everybody's like, the cops don't do shit, bruh. And um, this person, John, who uh, is a cop and still manages to get fucked over too. (laughs) Become corrupted. Yeah, the corruption of man is always interesting for me to watch as a viewer because, you know, Godfather is long as shit and half the time the plot is like, girl, I don't know. But (laughs) when you see Michael really turn, it's like, oh God shivers love it love that shit pour me more of that good shit so um yeah i would love to see that for more of our black actors and one day somebody will really give them that part um but i would like somebody to have the balls to actually take the part it might be viola i feel like it might be she would be great 
Yeah, it might be one of those. Like, well, then you know what? She has done that already because that's exactly who she is. Oh, and how to get away with murder. Was she a good person though? Mm, I mean, good ish. Like, <laughs> I don't know. She's good started. enough. She's a good enough person. I don't know. She was very, very upstanding. <laughs> I feel like it was always just a tiny bit under the surface. I mean, in this movie too, like they talk about his flaws become his like star qualities. Like he basically has the same psychological profile as a criminal, which we didn't really get into. And I also thought was very racial, (laughs) but um, yeah, I don't know if she had the same kind of like moral upstanding kind of code that she kept to because she was ready to throw all them children on the bus at any opportunity (laughs) no they were annoying they were annoying and insufferable and I had to stop watching that show because I was like I can't deal with them hollering at her anyway um in addition to that that's our noir vember um lineup it was a fun one um definitely watch belly and deep cover where you can get them i had to rent this one this time but um you know i think it should be up on any streaming service anytime i'm surprised it wasn't on criterion i was actually it should be back on tubi like next month because we needed it this month exactly (laughs) that's exactly what that's exactly what happens the moment i need a movie tubi is like actually girl we ain't got it for you today Yeah, I know you've seen it yesterday, but today yeah. it ain't here. Exactly, exactly. So it will be up probably um, any day now, but keep an eye out for that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, hit us up at our socials. They will be in the description box. Um, let us know if you like this episode with a rating or even a review. Keep it cute, keep it nice, please. I'm fragile. <laughs> I've had a very long year and so is Brittany. So be nice to us, please. <laughs> <laughs> and if you like what you hear, Please shout us out with a dollar or two at our coffee. Um, what else? We will be back in December. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have some plans. Yes. Um, some fun things. I think mm-hmm. Brittany's almost vibrating out of her seat, ready to talk about what we're going to do. What movie we're going to do. Venture down this avenue, you know, I, a candy cane lane, if you will. Yeah, I feel like if you know uh, Brittany and if you know the movies that we have reviewed on this pod, you will kind of guess what we're going to do uh, in December to wrap up the year. Uh, but in the meantime, We will catch you guys online. Hit us up. uh, Go follow us on Letterboxd. I will put our Letterboxd profiles in our link tree. Finally, Uh, six months later, I will do that. (laughs) Because somebody asked months ago and I was like, yeah, girl, I'll get to it. That's it. I think we're ready to go. So bye, everybody. Bye, guys.